You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Continental Extreme Contact DWS 06+. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The Volume. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Friday, July 21st, end of the week. We're going out with style. Oh my goodness, Women's World Cup starts. Lionel Messi's debut in the MLS. We don't know how long he's going to play, a half uh, 20 minutes, five minutes with Inter Miami. Uh, that's tonight. However, it's so exciting. I decided to bring on a soccer guest, talk a little messy, a little MLS. Uh, so we'll talk to Paul Tenorio uh, from The Athletic a little later in the podcast, just breaking down messy MLS. Listen, it's, a, it's an exciting summer of soccer. Now that Messi's here, Women's World Cup, good times. Let the good times roll. But first, I thought we'd do a little NFL. Um, and because I saw a rookie get popped doing 140 miles an hour, I believe in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. Jordan Addison, the speed demon. Ha ha, see what I did there? From USC, I mean, just absolute buffoonery. Camp hasn't even started, and you're doing stupid stuff like that. Like, Rook, get a clue. Not great. Not a great look. So I thought because of that news and all this Justin Fields stuff, I'm sure you guys were watching The Herd this week, Cowherd just drilling Justin Fields. I got to step in and defend Justin Fields. You know I like him. So I thought we would do an NFC North preview sponsored by Quarterback out now only on Netflix. NFC North was chaos last year. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, after winning the division twice in a row, Rodgers the MVP twice in a row, they slink back. And they are passed by, yes, sir, Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, 13 and 4. 
unbelievable season for the Vikings. Well, regular season, that is. They go 11-0 in one-score games. Guess what? Not happening again. Kirk Cousins, I believe, had eight game-winning drives last year. Let's be real. I said this on Herd. I, I said it all last season. The Minnesota Vikings were the luckiest team in the NFL last year. Absolutely not going to duplicate that. I do not have them at the top of the division. Now, the most interesting team in the division is the Detroit Lions. You guys know when the world zigs, your boy likes to zag. Well, guess what? The Detroit Lions, according to BetMGM, are the most bet team to win, wait for it, the NFC. That's in terms of handle and bets. Everybody, Sharps and the general public, all over the Detroit Lions to win the NFC. And a lot of that has to do with what they did last year. Remember, they swept Aaron Rodgers. They won in Green Bay. The defense hounded Rodgers. I think he had two red zone picks. And then they won in the season finale, um, defeating Green Bay in Green Bay. Uh, Very impressive win. Jared Goff at quarterback for both of them. I say at quarterback. I didn't say won both those games because, frankly, the defense won both those games. Um, And Detroit's defense was not good last year. We're talking like a bottom 5-6 defense in the league. And there is a lot of optimism that this team's going to make the leap. And folks, I'm going to be clear. I very much like the Detroit Lions. I actually have the Detroit Lions to win. Yes, win the division. The Detroit Lions will win the NFC North. I don't think it'll be easy, though. I do believe this will be the toughest division in the NFC. I don't particularly think it's close. The NFC East is good. But I have the Detroit Lions winning the division by a little. I am concerned a little bit about the defense because they didn't really get better. A couple moves in the secondary. Um, They do have a good defensive line led by Aiden Hutchinson, who's a beast. And you're just going to have to wonder, can they do just enough? So the offense, which uh, my guy Adam Chernoff, who has been on the pod, we'll have him on here in August. He had a great stat that I believe they took 65% of their snaps last season. The offense did when trailing. It's a lot easier when you're trailing in games and the quarterback drops back, look at a pass, and the defense is looking to protect leads, a lot of prevent D, a lot of we know what you're doing, we're just going to keep everything in front. So Detroit's able to have a field day because they were playing from behind. And I like this team. I don't love them. I've got them winning the division narrowly over the Vikings. I've got the Vikings too. Um, it's TBD on if I have the Vikings in the playoffs. As of now, and again, this is being done in July. People are going to throw this in my face in the first week of September if I, if I change my mind. But I'm telling you right now, the Chicago Bears will not finish in the basement. And I think the Bears will push the Vikings. Yes, push the Vikings for second. A lot of it has to do with the continuity in Chicago. Okay, Justin Fields, young quarterback, two different offensive coordinators, two different systems. Now, he sticks with the guy they had last year, Getze. I think Eberflus going into year two was able to remake the defense a little into more what he likes. Now, I don't particularly like spending money on linebackers. He did that. And the Bears essentially are linebackered up heavily, but that worked for him in Indy. If you guys remember, with Indianapolis, the Colts defense... Eberflus' scheme was one of the best. I remember famously slowed down Mahomes and Reed on, on a Sunday night football or Monday night football in KC. That was the one that really put Eberflus on the map. Matt Eberflus knows defense. And the schedule is favorable. The real question is, can they protect Justin Fields? Like, I know he had 1,100 yards rushing. The I believe the second greatest rushing season in quarterback history of the sport. Um, but Fields cannot sustain that. I think he had four carries over 50 yards. The guy's electric, but the hits he's taking, you're not going to last the season, dude. So they get DJ Moore in the trade. 
I really like this team a lot. Making the leap, listen, it's not hard to go from three wins to seven or eight, okay? Given the free agent money they spent, young quarterback, I think they can leap up to seven or eight wins and challenge the Vikings, who I do think pull back. And listen, people don't want to talk about it, but the most underplayed story for the Minnesota Vikings right now is what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. We know, as Kevin Clark said a couple uh, weeks ago on this podcast, Shanahan and McVay absolutely love everything about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has a new GM, a new coach. They've now been there a couple years, but you have to wonder, do they want to keep Kirk Cousins? They did just draft a quarterback. Can they do a quarterback on the cheap? Because the defense has nothing. Kirk Cousins is getting paid very handsomely, as quarterbacks should, and the defense is abysmal. Flores will keep it palatable, but they're not going to be good. They're going to hemorrhage points, and then you're hoping that Jefferson, Jordan Addison, they lose Dalvin Cook. Uh, They got Alexander Madison. I'm just saying... Listen, there's a world where Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in the league by a lot of metrics, if Justin Jefferson goes down for four or five games the way Jamar Chase missed a few games last year, where does the Vikings offense get popped from? Like, Alexander Madison, solid as a backup. Good fill-in guy. Can he carry the team the way Dalvin Cook could? You know, Adam Thielen's now gone. Jordan Addison, rookie, just got popped for going 140 miles an hour. There's just a lot of unanswered questions on Minnesota. They exceeded all expectations last year. I love Jefferson. I think this team regresses from 13 probably to the neighborhood of seven, eight, nine wins. And yes, pulling up the rear, Rob G, the Green Bay Packers. I've read all I can about Jordan Love. He's got, I believe, 83 pass attempts in his career. And, you know, a lot of what you read in the NFL, you know, you hear stuff and you're like, huh, interesting. And, you just you don't want to overreact in the offseason. But we've had at least three people in the organization try to get everybody to pump the brakes on this Jordan Love hype train. Okay? Jordan Love, bottom line is, we don't know if he's going to be a good quarterback. Nobody has any clue. Not even the people in Green Bay. But what we can do is look at their actions. And true or false, they restructured Jordan Love's deal so he's making a little less money in his fifth year. Okay, so they don't have a massive commitment to Jordan Love. They just signed the USFL MVP to be the fourth quarterback and compete in camp. There's a lot of questions at quarterback. Now, listen, maybe Jordan Love sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for a long time. Hey, he picked it up. He's going to come in and surprise everybody. That's possible. I do believe this will be a run-heavy attack. Aaron Jones, who took a bit of a haircut, um, will, will pay decrease to stick around. You got Dylan. You've got a, kind of mostly a veteran offensive line. And you've got uncertainty at receiver with two young guys who, you know, maybe didn't click with Aaron Rodgers early. And then Watson and Rodgers kind of had a connection. They're mostly yak guys. Go look at Jordan Love's throws last year. Not a lot of stuff down the field. Again, small sample size. But there's just a large unknown quantity to Jordan Love. And folks, Green Bay fans may not want to hear this. There's a range of outcomes from about five wins for Green Bay to like 9 or 10. That, I would say on the surprising end would be 9 or 10, Jordan loves lights out. But I think more likely we're looking at a 5-6 win team and the Green Bay Packers go back to the basement where they have not been in, goodness gracious, since I guess the early days of Brett Favre um, or maybe even before Brett Favre and Don the Magic Man Mikowski. So to recap the NFC North, I've got the Minnesota Vikings falling from number one to number two. The Detroit Lions leaping up, leaping up and winning the division. 
Number three, the Chicago Bears. I don't know if this is the start of something nice. I am more uh, a little higher on Justin Fields than I am some of the rookie quarterbacks in this class. And pulling up the rear for the first time probably since pre-Farve, maybe the magic man, Don Mikowski, um, it feels to me like the Green Bay Packers are probably a six-win team. And folks, uh, you start to wonder, hey, we had a good 20-year run, maybe 25, with Favre and Rodgers. What do we do now? That wraps up the NFC North preview, sponsored by Quarterback from Netflix. And let's get to our guest now, Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires. Dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Pirelli tires. Ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years. Mobile tire installations available all over the country. Have you heard about this? They bring new tires to your home or work. Install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. See their Pirelli test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire a writer for The Athletic. He's now going to be on the Lionel Messi beat. Paul Tenorio. Paul, how are you, man? I'm doing well. You know, I've I've been putting in the airline miles, chasing Messi around, going to the All-Star game, back down for Messi's debut, but... You know, it's a grind that's worth it right now. It's an exciting time. Yeah, uh, I would say the most exciting moment in MLS history since the league's inception. I know uh, Wayne Rooney was massive and there's been a lot of expansion, but Lionel Messi won the World Cup trophy, what, like seven months ago for Argentina, maybe six months? And and, and now he's in the MLS. It's almost unbelievable. Uh, he's expected to make his debut tonight for Inter Milan. As we record this Thursday, he's making it Friday. Um Inter Miami, I'm sorry, goodness gracious, Inter Milan. Um, I don't know, the, the path to get here, it's like the MLS was negotiating against Saudi Arabia. How the hell did we pull this off, Paul? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it was a crazy few months and years, really, of recruitment for Inter Miami. When they first started speaking to Messi and his representatives, really Jorge Messi, who's his father, who serves as his agent as well, it was four years ago. In September of 2019, Jorge Mas, the owner of Inter Miami, along with David Beckham, who also, of course, is an owner and founder of the team, and a few other representatives. They sat down with Jorge Messi in a hotel room in Barcelona just to kind of get to know you, a meet you session. And from there, that relationship started to build. But when we got down to these final few months of Messi's contract in PSG, I still don't think many people considered Major League Soccer and Inter Miami to be a true contender to sign Messi. You had Barcelona, which, of course, had the emotional connection of Messi going back to the club Mm. where he spent the vast majority of his career. PSG still wanted to keep him at that time. It was before the relationship got a little dicey in those final weeks. And then you had Saudi Arabia, which has made a huge push to sign players. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo in January, but several big-name players in recent months as the PIF has taken the top four teams in that that league private. Guys like Kareem Benzema, N'Golo Kante, Roberto Firmino. And and the main goal was to sign Messi. And reports had that offer at $1.6 billion for three years. I mean, money that, you know, we just don't hear of in in sports contracts for, for playing on the field, at least. And... What did Miami do to get him? I mean, they, they had to put a package together that could entice him away from that type of money. And, and there were a number of factors. One, I think they played on the idea of family. Messi had a home here. His family liked being in Miami. The proximity to Argentina, to Rosario, Argentina, where Messi is from. It's a nine-hour flight, uh, closer than Barcelona, closer than Riyadh. Mm. Um, as well, they also talked about longevity. Could they put a contract offer together that would pay dividends for Messi beyond the two and a half or three and a half years that he played here in the United States. And that's where things got interesting. Basically, Miami and MLS created a package that was, to use a term Don Garber said, 
creative, the commissioner. It was a creative offer, and I think in a few ways. One, they offered equity in Inter-Miami. So this is a team that, before Messi was signed, was worth $585 million, according to Sportico. We expect that to be well higher than that after signing Messi and Mm -hmm. opening a new billion-dollar stadium in a couple years. And then they had partnerships with some of the biggest companies that work with Major League Soccer, Adidas, Fanatics, and most notably, Apple. And and those are partnerships that are going to be lasting ones that can go beyond just the playing days where he is essentially getting a stake in the growth in American soccer. And at the end of the day, that whole package was compelling enough for Leo Messi to say, yes, I want to go to MLS. Yeah, the, the, the package I'm assuming from Riyadh was essentially, hey, here's a billion dollars. We're just going to try to money whip you into propping up our Saudi Arabian league. And Ronaldo took that. I don't have the numbers in front of me because it's a little tougher, but you know, Messi has made a lot of money in his life playing soccer. I mean, astronomical figures, I'm assuming uh, probably over a billion dollars. Is that safe to say? I mean, look, let's put it this way. He's going to be quite comfortable no matter which contract he signed. I don't think money needed to be the most motivating factor in this decision. Of course, you know, it's easy for us to say, like, oh, Link turned down $1.6 billion. You don't really need it. But certainly he's been incredibly successful for a very long time, not just with the contracts he signs on the field. And he's had some of the richest contracts in the sports history, to your point. Yeah. But also he has a lifetime contract with Adidas. He's, you know, one of the biggest brands in the world. So, yes, he's, he's done very well for himself economically throughout his career. Yeah, after um, I was so into the Messi run at the World Cup, you know, besides betting on Argentina, rooting Messi, obviously, after the U.S., uh, my wife had got me a Messi jersey. I nearly wore it for this interview, but I thought uh, (laughs) the producers uh, might nix that and say that, Jason, a little homerish on your part. At any rate, um, so I'm curious, Messi, the person, you know, a lot has been written about him. I feel like I don't know him that well, though. Uh, what's the media access like so far? Is he giving one-offs? Uh, I'm assuming, you know, book publishers are coming to you. Hey, you're covering Messi. We want a book. What's the media surrounding uh, Inter-Miami like now with Messi on board? Well, the media side of it is crazy. There were 500, around 500 credentials issued for his unveiling last Sunday. 200 people at the first training session. They had to cap it at 200 people for security reasons. So the interest is through the roof. But Messi's not a talker. And and there's this odd disconnect that exists when you talk about soccer or football. Internationally, there is no real access in the rest of the world the way there is here in American sports. Mm-hmm. If you cover the NBA, you can go into the locker room after games and you can talk to LeBron James after any game. Uh, in Europe, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't exist that way. And so we've found over, I've found in my career, it takes some time for some of these players who have been in Europe to adapt to the media access side of things. Messi hasn't had a press conference yet. He was supposed to have one on Monday. It got postponed. We'll see if it ever actually is held. Um, and he hasn't done any one-on-one interviews yet. He spoke at his unveiling event on the microphone, but that's it. So there is clearly an adjustment period. And I should note also, Leo Messi is an introvert. He doesn't really love to do Hmm. this kind of stuff. He spoke during the World Cup. He did press conferences in the lead up to Argentina's game. Obviously, he was the captain of Argentina. He felt an obligation. This was a part of his legacy. I don't believe, though, that he spoke in the post-game press conference after he won the World Cup. Who was really going to make him stop his celebrations of a game that cemented his legacy? 
But again, you know, this is a mix of the cultural differences and the reality of the fact that that Messi is not has never really been kind of a media forward person. It just doesn't really mix with his personality. And and so it's one of the more intriguing parts of this experiment is going to be how much does he put himself out there? Because when you look at when you compare other signings like David Beckham, when he came in 2007, he understood that he was an ambassador for MLS. Mm-hmm. He did media left and right. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of course, we saw him on all the late night shows. Even when I was in Orlando covering Orlando City in 2015, Kaká, who's a former FIFA player of the year, did media uh, every once in a while. Not as regularly as the other players, but he, he got in front of a microphone every couple of weeks. Um, I don't know that it'll be that easy with Messi, but I expect at some point he's going to have to come answer some questions from us, hopefully. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm just trying to think. Like you think, if I say LeBron James, you know what he sounds like. If I say Curry, you know him. Patrick Mahomes. I'm trying to think. Even even internationally, Federer, the, the tennis great, uh, I think Switzerland. Like you know what he sounds like. I'm just trying to think. I I don't think I know what Lionel Messi sounds like. That that's crazy. He just doesn't give a lot of interviews. What's the upside for him giving interviews? Like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he is one of the biggest brands in the world. And you want to talk about his impact. Inter-Miami had about 1 million Instagram followers the day before Messi announced he was going to join the team. Right now, it's about a month later, a little bit more than a month later, they have 9.8 million Instagram followers. There's only three professional teams in the United States with more Instagram followers than Inter-Miami. So, yeah, you're talking about a person who doesn't need to do media to expose himself to fans. He could just use his social channels. And that's that's the reality of the world we live in now. That's how things are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, yeah, he's spoken before. Like I said, I think in some instances, like with Argentina and Qatar at the World Cup, he felt that obligation existed to be a spokes as the captain and the leader of the team to be at those press conferences. Um, but yeah, he picks his moments. And I think, um, again, I think there's a little bit of grace. They're giving him a bit of grace here to adjust to a new culture and new expectations in this country. And, you know, hopefully at some point we get to hear a little bit from him about um, being here and how it's been and kind of the transition. I actually think the press conference in a month with Messi will be more productive in terms of learning what it, things have been like for him rather than the one when he first get, gets here and, you know, everything is still new and he hasn't really experienced anything yet. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, you saw the Messi photos at the grocery store in Florida. Obviously, he couldn't do that in Argentina. Now, I don't, I'm assuming none of that was staged. I had a buddy saying, wait, there was security somewhere around him. Um, what's Messi's life like currently in, yeah. in I mean, Miami? It, I think the cynic in all of us is, okay, Publix is a, a corporate sponsor of Inter-Miami. Maybe it's not oh. quite the accident ha. that he ended up shopping in that store. But you, you have to acknowledge that, yes, life is going to be a little bit different, or often is for players who come to the United States who couldn't walk around in Europe through the streets and, and go unbothered, and they can't hear. And we can rattle off the names who have talked about that aspect of their life. Thierry Henry, who has a home in, in Manhattan. He can walk down the streets in New York and people don't bother him. Kaká in yeah. Orlando. I saw him several times where coincidentally bump into him at a restaurant and no one's bugging him. He couldn't do that <laughs> in Italy, in Milan, or in Brazil. Yeah. Um, Messi's a little bit of a different animal. He actually was in Miami last year, and there were some videos of him trying to, um, there were some videos of him trying to go out to eat at restaurants. And there were hundreds of people waiting outside the door for him. Wow. He's not your normal celebrity. He is going to have 
people waiting for him and bugging him and even he but i what i do love is that he's doing these things so his yeah. first night here in miami after landing in fort lauderdale he went out to eat at a restaurant in north miami beach in little buenos aires neighborhood obviously a, a huge argentine community here and he went and had dinner with his family and yes he went out the back door and tried to sneak out and yes there were dozens of fans waiting for him but i think those little moments do sell players on the ability to come here because there might still be people waiting for him outside of these restaurants. He might still need security, and, and he has yeah, oh, so definitely. far. But it's not to the degree that it would be necessary in Argentina yeah. or even in Paris or Barcelona. Uh, I'm trying to put Messi in some context for MLS. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know, I'm like a minority owner in a Liga MX team. And okay. um, we're, we're playing in the Liga's Cup uh, coming up this month. And I'm doing research on the teams. we got to play Dallas and Charlotte. I'm like, all right, we, we got a shot in those games. And I'm looking at MLS standings, if you will, and power rankings. And Inter-Miami is pretty much the worst team in the league. Um, I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe these were from like a couple weeks ago. But it's not like Messi's going to a contender or even a middling team to put over the top. Like, he's going to a pretty bad team right now. Is there any context for what he could possibly do? Like... Might we not see Messi in the MLS postseason? Yeah, I mean, it's a very distinct possibility. You're right. They are the worst team in the league. And it actually creates kind of a cool experiment, I think, to take the best player mm. of all time, drop him into the worst team in the league, and see how much better he can make them. Um, it wouldn't <laughs> be fair to, to really cast it that way because this team is going to look significantly different. By the time Major League Soccer restarts on August 20th after the League's Cup, you have Sergio Busquets, who has joined along with Messi. Jordi Alba has signed a contract and joined along with Messi. They're going to sign three young players. Under-22 initiative is, is something that Major League Soccer uses to entice teams to sign younger players. They're expected to sign three more players. They've already inked one of them to help the roster. Two of the top players from Miami who have been injured are back, not full training, but are getting out there on the field and, and starting to work rehab where they could be back. Mm -hmm for the, the back part of the season. So it, they have a new coach as well, Tata Martino, who coached Messi at Barcelona and Argentina and won a, an MLS Cup with Atlanta. So it's going to be a very, very different team when they take the field again in Major League Soccer play. That being said, they have a huge hole that they have to climb out of. I believe they're 12 points out of the last playoff spot right now in the Eastern Conference. Oof. That is a significant gap to try to make up. They're a little bit fortunate. Major League Soccer this year expanded their playoffs to include a knockout game. So now yeah. nine teams in each conference makes the playoffs. It is not the biggest challenge in the world to do that. Um, and I, But I do think it's going to be a fun part of it is like, is Messi so good, so transformative that he's going to take the worst team in the league and get them to a playoffs in a very limited amount of time? I wouldn't count him out. Certainly not when you look at the firepower that has come in and and, and let's see how this team comes together. They won't have a lot of time yeah. to do it, um, but I, I think it's definitely possible. Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires. Dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires, ship fast and free to you, or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years. Mobile tire installations available all over the country. Have you heard about this? 
They bring new tires to your home or work. Install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. See their Michelin test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. There is a narrative, as I'm sure you know, that um, European stars come to the MLS to take a last paycheck when they're kind of washed, if you will. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I, I hear that and I understand, you know, uh, the financial aspect of it. Um, I, 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 it's tough for me. Now, I didn't watch a lot of PSG here uh, post-World Cup. I, I, it's tough for me to con- conceivably think that Messi is washed or even close to it if you watch a level he played at just seven months ago. Um, I don't know. Where are you on, like, this? this is just, like, not long-term great for the MLS, but like in the short term, it's a huge like jolt. Yeah. I mean, first of all, there are just certain players where it doesn't matter how old they are. If they want to come play in your league, they play in your league. Um, the fact that Barcelona was trying as hard as they were to sign Messi and, and, you know, I think is indicative of the fact that he is not, you know, out of it, right? This is a guy who had 20 goals and 20 assists last season in France. One of the only players in Europe, I think maybe the only player in Europe to do that in, in one of the top five leagues. He is still very productive. As you said, he won a World Cup seven months ago. Not only did he win the World Cup, he won the Golden Ball as the top yes. player at that World Cup. So, yeah. you know, this is a, a transcendent player. Major League Soccer has changed a lot over the, the years. The focus on the DP spots, the designated player spots, the, the rule that was initially created to bring Beckham, it went from those bigger name stars that we've discussed before to this really this huge push to sign younger players. And I think the average age of, of the players who have come in as designated players in MLS has dropped 
significantly from way above 30 to I think like 25 years old or something like that. So mm. it's not like this is a league where you're seeing constant a constant flow of kind of players in their late 30s coming over anymore. That being said, Inter Miami is kind of going in that direction right now, right? They have Messi's late yeah. 30s, Busquets in his late 30s, Jordi Alba. Again, though, Jordi Alba, very productive last year in his career, still playing at a very high level. Busquets will be interesting to see how he transitions to the league. I think he's maybe the one that I've got the biggest question marks on. But Busquets is a player whose abilities, his vision, his tech, that's not going to go away. It's a matter of will the players around him be good enough where you can fully see mm. his skill set take advantage. Um, I, I think it's an interesting question is where does MLS want to go? How do they leverage this situation with Messi? You know they have they have growth that they still need to accomplish. I do think MLS is at a higher level than people realize, both domestically yeah. here, the audience here in the U.S. and around the world. But they still do have a long way to go to become the. They're not better than Liga MX right now as the best team in the region. They're not equal to the European teams. So what's the best way forward? And you know there is a big debate now about changing some of the roster rules, giving owners more flexibility in how they want to spend. And as part of that, I think it's about do you want to target some of these players who are in their early to mid 30s and, and kind of go back a little bit to that philosophy or is the focus still on younger players i think ultimately the goal for major league soccer should be let every team have their own philosophy give them a little mm. bit more freedom to spend the money as they want and the ultimate goal should be let's get the product on the field as strong as possible yeah. and for some teams it's going to be guys like Messi, older in their careers. I mean, not like Messi, but you know what I mean. Later in their yeah. careers, that can help you. And there are some teams that are going to say, no, we want to try to find the next young star and develop them here. And, and that's okay. It's okay for teams to have it, different yeah. philosophies. It, it's a great discussion. I like that breakdown. The, the, I guess from my point of view, again, just Liga MX, like the coaches want to stay employed. How do you stay employed? Not by playing the young guys. <laughs> you know, you got to play the veterans who help you get to the playoffs and people keep their jobs. But in for the long-term growth of the club, you need to develop the 17, 18, 19-year-olds, get the academy going, because guess what? That's where the real money is, when you could sell 22-year-olds to Europe for top dollar, and then you just bolster everything. So it's that, that healthy mix of um, veterans, uh, you know, aging stars, if you will, and the young guys, but it's uh, a lot of it from my point of view, uh, comes down to the coaches. Do they want to play the young guys? You know, um, I think in this case, like Beckham uh, is going to definitely play Busquets, Alba, Messi. Those guys are starters from there. There's no question. Um, but I guess my question is like five years from now, what is Inter Miami going to look like? And I, I, my guess is David Beckham will look at you and Paul and be like, I don't know. We'll worry about that in five years. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think some sometimes these problems are ones you confront down the road a little bit. But they do have some good young players who are playing. And, and like Ben Kramashi, who, who is eligible actually to play for Argentina, has played for the U.S. youth national teams as well. He's going to be playing minutes next to heroes of his. And, and you're right, it does come down to a balance. How do you fit all of these pieces together? The ultimate goal is to win games, but there's the business side of it as well. There are the revenue streams from selling players. Of course, there's no one that's going to bring in more revenue for this team than Messi. We know that yeah. commercially he's changed the game for Inter-Miami and certainly for Major League Soccer. So there are different ways to try to boost revenue for sure. But yeah, th there's always this constant give and take for, I think, every team around the world. And again, each club will make a decision on who they want to be, what their focus wants to be. FC Dallas in, in MLS has been the team that's been selling the most players. They don't have any trophies during that time that they've been yeah. doing that. But they have produced Weston McKinney, 
Ricardo Pepe, go down the list of all the players that have come out of Chris Richards and, and made a lot of money selling those players. So who do you want to be? How do you best want to go about running your club? What's the ultimate goal going to be? Again, I think the, the goal for Major League Soccer is with this two and a half years you have, maybe three and a half years with Messi, he does have an option on the back end of that contract. How are you going to grow things? How are you going to grow your audience? How are you going to entice people to tune in to, to these games? And I think the, the message shouldn't be about, hey, the way MLS has gone about it before has been like, let's control how you're spending. Let's focus you on finding younger players and, and doing things like that. I think some of that control has to be let go and say, mm. let teams find their own philosophies. Our goal just needs to be to be as strong as possible on the field to, to try to get some of these fans who are tuning in to watch Messi to stick around. Yeah, I guess I, I for a final question, let me zoom out for a sec. And if you look at what happened in 1994, the World Cup comes to the United States, it's massive, and basically the MLS is birthed out of that. They Because it was in the United States, soccer was huge, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so the World Cup's coming back here in 26. Um, the MLS has, I guess, two and a half years before it happens. Um I, I, again, maybe a leading question on my part now that I'm I'm in Liga MX. But what what do you foresee for MLS? Um, a lot of rumors about MLS and Liga MX in some way, shape, or form joining forces to create a super league that would rival the EPL. Um, I know relegation and promotion is kind of uh, hyped by fans. I don't know where you stand, um, but I do know owners have zero interest in that for obvious reasons. Um, I'm just I'm, soccer in America seems to be on the up and up, and it's going to get massive. The U.S. team is, I don't want to say stacked, because, you know, we, we got to make a semifinals first. But uh, the U.S. team is probably as strong as it's ever been. I know it's very young, um, but everything seems to be pointing up. What, what do you think for the MLS here going forward, heading into the World Cup in 26? Yeah, I, I think there are there's a lot of momentum right now around American soccer. You have Messi here in Major League Soccer now. Next year, you have the Copa America being played on American soil, which is a, another that's huge right. moment for the game. You've got the Club World Cup, the first ever Club World Cup with FIFA that's going to be played in 2025. Then you've got the 2026 World Cup, and then potentially the Women's World Cup in 2027. So, wow. yeah, there's a lot going on right now to advertise the sport. And, you, and you're right, soccer itself has grown in popularity in a significant way in this country, the sport. Um, for Major League Soccer, the equation's a little bit different. It's how can we compete with England? How can we compete with Liga Mekis, which is the most popular sport on television in the United States? What do we have to do to get a bigger chunk of this growing fan base around the sport? And, you know, I'm not sure that they know what the answer is yet. But, but for the sport itself, yes, you have to look at 2026 as a springboard as a moment to, to grow the way we did in 1994 when the World Cup came that founded Major League Soccer in 1999 when the Women's World Cup happened and obviously the iconic women's national team and the Rose Bowl, the penalty kick shootout and all of those things that grew participation in the sport that helped to grow the women's game. NWSL is in the strongest place it's ever been. And so when you think about 2026 and potentially 2027, yeah, the idea has to be how do we take these moments and use them to be something that can be a game changer, not incremental growth, but a, a huge push forward. And I think that Major League Soccer's owners are thinking about it. I'm sure Liga Mekis owners are thinking about it. The League's Cup is, is a way to try to do that. The Apple television deal that Major League Soccer signed, 10 years, $2.5 billion to try to make its product visible no matter where you are around the world. All of this is leading into this moment and um, you know what they do with it. That's what we're all waiting to see. And I, I hope 
that they don't miss the moment. And I, I do think there are some ways that they can change the league to make it stronger, to make it more compelling. And they have a very small window to do that in order to capture the audience that's going to be there in 2026. Yeah. All right, Paul, we'll get out of here on this. Uh, does Messi score a goal in his first game for Inter, Inter Miami? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's a tough one. I don't know. If he plays six minutes or if he plays 30 minutes, the answer is very different. Um, I yeah. expect he's going to play somewhere in between that, you know, maybe like a, a good 20-minute stint. By the way, it's going to be incredibly hot here in Florida for his first mm. game, so that might end up dictating how long he comes off. And as we talked about before, Miami's not very good, so what's yeah. the score line going to be when he comes off the bench? I'm going to say... I don't know. You know, when you think about players who have come, moments that have happened in this league, you had Beckham, whose debut was kind of a, a, a dud. His ankle was injured. He only played like seven minutes total for the Galaxy in a mm. friendly against Chelsea. You had Zlatan, who came on on national television and scored one of the best That's goals right. in Major League Soccer history. I yeah. think that Messi is going to have some moments that excite us, dribble some guys, make some nice passes, but I don't think he'll score a goal. I do think, though, that he is going to, to score a lot of goals in Major League Soccer. I do yeah. <laughs> think he is going to change the game for that team. And I think the back half of the season is going to be a lot of fun to watch his games because I just have a feeling that he's going to come in and have a point to prove to say, I'm not retiring. I do want to be competitive. I do want to play for Argentina at the Copa America. So st stay, the goal might not, not happen the first game, but stay tuned. Do you, uh, do you said that he might not start. Is that determined yet, or he's definitely coming off the bench, or what? He's he's definitely coming off the bench. I mean, he he's coming off of a couple weeks vacation in the Bahamas. Um, you know, he's <laughs> had a lot of time off since the last time he played. Like I said, it's going to be upper 90s in Fort Lauderdale with a heat index up above 110 degrees for most of the day. Is that a he's kickoff? He's still getting his fitness. No, thankfully kickoff's at 8 p.m., so it'll have oh, dropped okay. off a little bit, but that's what he's been training in in the mornings. He's got to get his fitness at the press conference uh, ahead of the game, Sergio Busquets said, it would be impossible for me to play 90 minutes right now. We're just not fit enough. So, you know, somebody asked him, are you are you debating? He was sitting next to the manager, Tata Martino. Are you, are you debating with the manager to be able to start? And he laughed and goes, look, we're, we're not going to start it. We're not there yet physically. But mm. they'll get, they'll yeah, get a good the, stint in the game. The tough part is, you're right, what if it's 3 nothing, And, you know, six, 65 minutes in, do you even bring in Messi? I mean, you have... What? I don't know. You have to start building that fitness somehow, right? You have to start building that game fitness somehow. And, and so it's kind of like a preseason. You you start off with the guys getting 20 minutes, then you work yeah. up to 45, then you get to 60. So I think we'll maybe see. I'm hoping to get maybe 20 minutes out of him on Friday. We'll see him again a few days later. Maybe that pushes to a half an hour. Um, what will be interesting is if they don't advance in the League's Cup, they're going to have a month off before their next game. That could be a blessing in disguise just to let the team get some time together to gel. Um, but you, you'll miss out on moments to get some of that game fitness. So it's kind yeah. of a give and take here. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'll tell you this much. No matter if he plays six minutes, 20 minutes, 35 minutes, there's going to be a camera on every single touch he makes. Yeah. When he's on the bench to start the game, there's going to be a camera on him the entire time, every movement he makes. Whatever poor guy sitting next to him on the bench better not be picking his nose yeah. because the, the cameras are going to be locked in on Messi. I, 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 listen, I know it's about the team and all that, but I wouldn't hate, and I will be getting the Apple package just to see Messi games. I wouldn't hate it if they had like a camera uh, uh, on Messi and they had it on the, during the game, like in the upper right corner, here's Messi just sitting on the bench. Oh, I, I'm not, I, I, honestly, I wouldn't mind watching that, interacting I with think, the guys, I think we're talking gonna see strategy. That. Yeah, Apple's come out and yeah. said they're going to have 18 cameras. Uh, they're going to have a sky cam, three slow-mo cams. So there's going to be a camera locked in on him, and I would not be surprised to see you know that little box 
in the corner. Um, everyone's tuning in to see Messi play in this first game. Um, and, and actually, what's interesting, the first game is also going to be on TUDN for Spanish speakers because of the deal that they oh. have for Leagues Cup. So, uh, yeah. It, Wait, it'll so be I don't even in, have to get Apple. Of, not for the first yeah. game. For the second game, yes. Nice. But it, it's a good chance for, for MLS to have a little bit more national exposure, and especially to a market that, that you're involved in with Liga Mekis, to, yeah. to a market that MLS needs to grow in. And, and So it's a good opportunity in that way as well. All right, uh, good stuff, Paul Tenorio. Remember, follow him and uh, at The Athletic. He's going to be basically the messy beat reporter. Uh, looking forward to your stuff, Paul. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.